This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White Provisions, or discover them online at BillyReed.com. That's BillyReed, R-E-I-D.com. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And, Greg, we have got a, a personality with us today who's most Braves fans uh, should be familiar with. He's been covering the Braves for next year, I believe, will be year number 20, where he's been in his current role with MLB.com. Mark Bowman, of course, longtime beat reporter for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, we wanted to have Bo on. To, we talk a little bit about the team and the current state of things and where we he thinks that they'll go from here. We get into that at the end, but we wanted to talk a little bit more with Bo about him and his career and what it, what it is to be a beat reporter and the things that you have to do and also his path to get there. I think he's got a kind of an interesting path of how he ended mm-hmm. up in the big leagues. And I don't know how many reporters were working for a team or working in the game first and then managed to get a job reporting elsewhere, but that's what he uh, managed to do. And uh, he's, on, on a personal side, def- despite his West Virginia fandom, uh, he's, he's a friend <laughs> of mine, so I uh, wanted to have him on for a little bit. And uh, how uh, you and Bo, let's see, what do you do? You guys are on the Hall of Fame committee together, or what do you guys, you guys do? Yeah, together? so, well, we asked him. I'm, I'm one of the uh, permanent members of the um, Hall of Fame voting uh mm-hmm. on from the voting side but i'm also work with carol and sarah on putting together kind of the structure of how it all works so um, i don't run the gala and how the event works but as far as organizing the voting and and uh the nominees and um putting together the pool of um the pool of uh, potential alumni and then kind of the structure of how the, all the voting works it's kind of involved in that. Brad Hangey, who used to work with us, kind of helped revamp the whole process over the last couple of years. And now Carol and I kind of head that up. Mm-hmm. And so we asked Mark to be on our um, rotating. Um, we have a group of, of individuals that rotate 
every year on who votes so as we kind of present the nominees there's like 10 to 12 of us um that vote on and uh, that's how we get our new okay you know our new hall of fame class so yeah we asked mark to do it this year and um and yeah it's great very knowledgeable about the team and about the game of baseball and so it, it was a real treat and i love just his perspective because this very rare that uh, as ball players, you know, we don't like to talk to the press a lot, <laughs> even though we right. have to. It's not it's kind of a love hate relationship. But with this, I don't you know, I don't have to worry about what he writes about me anymore. So right. I, I love to ask asking some um, kind of fun questions about his perspective and how he approaches his job. And I, I just think it's fascinating yeah, because he does have a very he has a tough job. I can speak to this, and because I work in the in the press box, he's very well respected. There's a reason that he's been here for almost 20 years, and mm-hmm. and as he talks about a little bit, I mean, it's hard to, it's not often you see beat reporters that that will stay with in one market or one club for a long time because a lot of times I think he I think the way he even puts it is they they can wear out their welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a testament to him and the relationships he's built here and how everybody feels about him, that he's he's still still here and, uh, after two decades. Um, and, and like I said, uh, we all very well respected up there. Yeah, the I box. mean, well, that, that's a great point. And think about it, we We all work closely together. So you think about the, um, you know, Beth Marshall, what Beth Marshall does mm-hmm. and Jonathan Kerber and, and these guys, they all work closely, and you got to have good relationships. Yep. I don't care whether you're doing a podcast or you're working in merchandise or you're working in ticket sales or you're working with the media. I mean, you're coming in contact with hundreds of people every day, and you're working with pro- high-profile athletes. You've got to you got to handle yourself the right way. And so that's why for somebody to be in this job in this role for 20 years. And doing it well at a very high level that says a lot about you mm-hmm. so um so yeah and you know and we know him and we've been around him and so i understand why he keeps his job because he does it he does it well and um but it is tough <laughs> like yeah. we talked about he's here early and he stays late yeah that's it that's it. that's and that's what it's all about if you want to work mm-hmm. in this game so <laughs> well we had a great uh conversation with mark bowman from mlb.com and i think you all are going to enjoy it so without further ado here he is mark bowman Well, Bo, thanks for joining us here on yeah. Behind the Braves, and uh, very happy to sit down and talk with you for 30 minutes today about uh, the 2019 National Championship Virginia Cavaliers. <laughs> um, I know that that's a little bit of, let me preface this, Greg. Uh, so, Bo is a, a native West Virginian. Best Virginian. <laughs> yeah. Three hillbillies in the same room. That's not good. That's, we've had Virginia go, go downhill quick. I know. What we need is somebody from Kentucky to complete. <laughs> yeah, the, that's right. Complete the, we'll get the Trey circuit. to come down here. <laughs> but uh, so the day that that Virginia lost to UMBC in 2018. From that day for the next 13 months, and I'm not exaggerating, Bo, <laughs> just every day, every day, just yeah. rode me with UMBC jokes, and he, I mean, he would get as well as creative as he could yeah, uh, with them. That's you right. know, yeah. Every day for 13 months. So now, since Virginia won the championship this year, since that was the UMBC game was the start of the national championship mm. run, yeah. um, I figure I owe it. 
I mean, just because this is what you should do. I owe him at least 13 months of just constantly reminding him. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll, right. I'll reassess come April 2020, and we'll yeah. see. I might just continue after. No, I, I think you're going Paying to it back with interest. So. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, that is, yeah. so, no, Mark Bowman from MLB.com, longtime uh, reporter of the Braves. When did you start, Bo? 01 was your first year on the beat. Right? First year on the beat, yeah, 2001. Uh I started with the Braves organization in 1996, though. I was at the University of Dayton. He needed a, an internship. and um, what, what did you study at Dayton? For I studied life? sport management. Okay. Okay. And needed an internship to graduate, you know, to fill up after you got done with all your golf and racquetball classes and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and um, so anyhow, there was an opening down here with the Braves and their customer service department. And we, we I worked in a the tunnel at Fulton County Stadium and basically the job was you sold group tickets and you know maybe if if the season if someone called about season tickets you sent them up to the season ticket office because you weren't you know skilled enough to do that fill out that paperwork <laughs> people called for pocket schedule anyhow you did a lot of the grunt work uh anything and everything tarp, tarp duty yeah well, whatever anything <laughs> nobody else wanted to do right? and so I did that and it was uh, it was a great year. I mean, you had the Olympics here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I told mom I'd be home in six months, and uh, here we are, twenty three years later. <laughs> twenty three years <laughs> later, and and she lives down here now. So, <laughs> so anyhow, um, you know, it was a great year. You had the Olympics down here. The Braves went to the World Series. I wasn't going to leave. Unfortunately, the, ended up getting a job there in the Braves uh, front office you know with or a full-time job uh selling season tickets and group tickets for two seasons and then they started a corporate sales department and uh jim allen who still runs that department we he and mark layman who's still in that department mm-hmm. as well we were one of five or six guys that were selling you know scoreboard signs and whatever else you know it was kind of becoming more it was always part of the business but it was it was kind of booming at that point Mm -hmm. in time and uh did that for two years and and i just decided mlb.com was starting in 2001 i didn't know what mlb.com was and neither did anyone else and because nobody else knew what it was going to become i was fortunate to you know i really didn't have a lot of competition when i said yeah i want to jump back into it i did have experience from the university of dayton i was a the sports editor of the paper there oh nice um I forgot how to hit a curveball, so then I ended up, you know, <laughs> having to, to – I had plenty of free time to go and, and do, do a lot of writing after my uh, freshman year. But anyhow, I uh, did that during my, my junior year in school, loved it. Um, probably should have pursued it right out of college, but I didn't. Doesn't doesn't matter. It's, you know, everybody everybody has a path for, you know, a different reason. This one led me to, you know, a great opportunity there with MLB.com and uh, – here we are, 19 seasons later. Did you? You said you forgot to hit a, hit a curveball. How to hit a curveball? Did you play uh, your first year at Dayton? I, well, I, w- I went out and played some fall ball that year, and uh, you know, at that point in time, I realized I was not going to. It wasn't going to continue to happen after that. So, see, I realized that in fifth grade. So I had like a, <laughs> I had like a decade head start on you. But anyway, yeah. um, but anyhow, yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I. I when a guy came and said, hey, do you want to be the sports editor of the paper? You know, you're thinking, okay, it's you know, something that you know, we've all enjoyed. But I think, you know, I remember, you know, from a very young age, you know, I loved, got Sports Illustrated from when I was eight years old for my birthday or eight or nine years old for my birthday. And, you know, you're 
when I woke up every morning was walk down to the paper box and get the paper. It was, it was, you know, I've always had it, an interest there. When I, when I got the job there at Dayton, I was, we were, we were in something called con, uh, the Great Midwest Conference. It had Memphis, UAB, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the Conference USA folks. Well, when Conference USA started uh, after the 93-94 basketball season there, I think, um, they basically said, we've already got the Cincinnati TV market. We don't need Dayton. Dayton was without a conference. So I, I took it upon myself that winter, I'm going to figure out where Dayton's going to go. And I was calling other sports writers. I was calling ADs because you had no fear. You're young and dumb. I mean, you're just calling. Well, we printed twice a week. We printed on Wednesdays and Sundays. When the Wednesday that that, that – that afternoon or that, that day that the story broke, we had the story in the Flyer News and the Dayton Daily did not because that day I had called, Dave Brain was at the at Virginia Tech. I can use my source now, you know. Yeah, it's been <laughs> enough time. Statue of limitations. Well, he, <laughs> you know, and Dave is, is uh, you know, God bless his soul. He, you know, he was, he, he came down here to Georgia Tech uh, after he left Virginia Tech, but uh I called and said, you know, I'm just looking for an update. Do you know where – because Virginia Tech was looking for a conference too. And uh, he said, look, you didn't hear this from me, but tomorrow Fordham, Dayton, and Virginia Tech are going to the Atlantic 10. (laughs) I ran with the story. RAD was pissed. And (laughs) (laughs) where did you get this story? Anyhow, that that just – that kind of fueled it. You know, it was always – there was a little bit of fire there. There's – you know, not only do you have a love for – you know what you're doing the writing i I think there's always a little bit of competition there sure it's uh that's kind of the nature of the business i you know you you're always looking for the best story and then you're also in some ways i mean everyone would like to be first you know the number one priority is to be right yeah but you know i I think that that fuels you here in this job is, is there's there's always a little bit of competition yeah, well, let me give you a little insight, not give you, but give the audience a little insight from a player's perspective. You know, I've played in New York. I've played here in Atlanta and some other teams. And and your job is is not an easy one because, you know, you're, he, you're here a long time. You're here early to try to get some, you know, insight, some notes, some interviews. You're here writing during the game. You're obviously watching the game, and you've got to keep track of what's going on with other news around baseball. And then you're here after the game. You got to get the interviews, and then you got to finish and write writing the story. And sometimes that's, I mean, it's a long day for the players. It's a long day for the staff. And you're right a part of that big machine. I mean, you're a part of that whole thing, and um, it is tough. So I wanted to ask you this about, you know. Players, they have great games, and players have bad games. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always great for the player to stand in front of his locker when he just hit the game-winning home run or he had a he had a no-hitter through five and he got a win and now he's 5-0 and oh and, and life is good. <clears throat> but there's always those games where you've just blown your second save or uh, you're in a 0 for 5 and, and now uh, you made an error. And, and, and so you hope – as your job that the player stands up and takes it like a man and you know he's standing in front of his locker and he's not hiding in the back room but inevitably sometimes as frustrations mount that happens yeah so um that is a tricky situation so from your perspective how do you handle 
and how sensitive are you to players? Because you've got a relationship. I mean, I know I remember my beat writers, I.J. Rosenberg and and Buster Olney and all these guys when I was in New York, and and so you know you 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 have a relationship. You don't get become buddy buddy, but you know there's a mutual respect there because I know you're trying to do your job. I'm trying to do my job inevitably you can take it personally but there there's always this kind of you know uh how do i respect him does he respect me and do i do my you know can i can i how do you coexist so what what is it in your mind as you're relating to these guys on a daily basis and you're trying to do your job but yet you've got to ask some tough questions yeah you've got to be there when the guy's not feeling too good about what he just did so what how do you approach that i think i think the important thing is to always remember that human element and and it, it is, it's easy to forget because you know you look at the them as the athlete and they're supposed to do this they're supposed to do that but but at the same time it, it is a human being out there competing you're you're you are going to have tough days and when it's time to go ask that question ask it in a manner that doesn't come off as where you're smirking you're not you're not Mm. you're not how the hell did you do that or you know why 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 would you do you know i I think it's all on how you you pose the question in the world were you yeah you know know, it's it's not you know it, it wasn't fun to go it's not enjoyable to go question Ronald Acuna Jr. after he does that again in the playoffs, and and I know that you know the fans are a lot of them have said that okay now he was you know maybe it was the new baseballs or the, the baseballs they put into play. Well, again, I, look maybe, but it, it, here's the deal: he he hit a ball 455 feet two innings later too. I mean, I you know I it's not, but just to get back to just going to question him, is, is it fun to say hey why you know. How did you let that happen again? You know, and the other thing you have to read, you know, the person. I mean, there's a lot of times they're pissed at themselves at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't keep egging it on. You know, you, you kind of, yes, you have a job to do. You need to get the the answer. They're part of the growth of a player from a you know a coaching perspective. A lot of the coaches will be mad at you if you don't go ask because they want that accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's your job. I mean, you know, you're 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 there to go ask the questions. You're there to ask tough questions. You're not there to interrogate them. I think that I think there there's a fine line there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't. I think you 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 just have to always remember. You know, also who you're dealing with. I mean, some some guys. You know, I've known Brian McCann and Freddie Freeman since they were 18 years old. It's a lot easier for me to go talk to them about tough issues than it would be somebody I met, you know, two weeks earlier or two months earlier at any point in time. Um, I think just like at any other point in business, there's different uh, clients that, that you need to uh, address differently or maybe even within your own neighborhood. You know, if you were going to go talk mm-hmm. to one neighbor about one thing – just, just remembering that there is a yes. The, these are athletes that are looked up to, and you, you, you know, everyone wants them mm-hmm. to be successful all the time. But at the same time, you're not going to be successful all, all the time. And when you're going to ask that question, remember mm. that's a human being on the other side. It's not a robot. 
Right. How how do you feel about these guys? Like I call them the Jim Gray. You know, they're always looking for the gotcha question. They're always trying to be the most controversial. They're they're looking to make a name for themselves. I mean, do you? I know you see that in your industry. Just like you know, there's certain guys. You know, as as ball players, you know what their their mo is about. Yeah. But uh, those guys aren't typically beat writers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's you know, that's the thing. You know, maybe they were a beat writer and they made a name for themselves by doing that. I don't. That's all fine and dandy, you know, if, if that's what they wanted in life, uh, to each their own. Um, but you, the, you can't you can't exist that way on a daily. There's no way. There's I don't no, think you, so. You're, you wouldn't get any interviews. Everybody would be saying, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. You're a jerk. Yeah. You know? I think so. And, and, you know, you see that. I mean, I think, you know, it's, I think it's very unique what we've had here in Atlanta with, with Oprah, Dave O'Brien and I have been basically together for 18 seasons wow. now. You know, for most of those, he's with the AJC just this past season and a half. He's with the Athletic. And, you know, there's, you know, I think that's very unique. You don't see beat writers st- stick with, you know, one club for that long. And, and I think that's one of the primary reasons um, is, you know, you, a lot of times you do wear out your welcome mm-hmm. if you approach it that way. You know, that, that hey, I'm, I'm only going to go out there and, you know. Cause yeah, you it, it'd be easy, I guess, if if that's, if that's your mo to to get that gotcha moment, or you know, you're looking for something. I you know, our job is not to hide the truth or and anything or anything that that is absolutely pertinent. But at the same time, you know, I I don't think you go trying to look underneath, you know covers or in cabinets that, that, that you're not supposed mm-hmm. to be exploring and i think that that's if it's out there in the open and it needs to be addressed then you address it right i don't you know i think where, where you start to lose a you know lose respect is if you start digging in places you're not really supposed to dig that doesn't mean you shouldn't be aggressive but at the same time if you want to burn yourself for something little there at the expense of having the trust of, you know, being able to call somebody or go rely on somebody for at any point of the year for the next however many years forward, then go ahead and do it. But it's, hmm. I, I think that, you know, just like with anything else, we we are entering the player's environment. That That's their clubhouse. We are their guests, you know, are their law, you know, are their rules that say the media has access. Yeah, but at the same time, you know that's that's their that's their environment and we have to respect it i think that that's one thing you you always have to remember um you know and every player like you said it's different i can tell you one one player was never fun to go talk to after he blew a save was bob wickman he was always (laughs) at his locker and he stood there with his arms folded (laughs) and he stared you down like come get it ask me bring it (laughs) so but then you know it's uh you just have to remember there there are emotions on both sides what's the longest you had to wait to talk to somebody (laughs) (laughs) or what's the longest you're willing to wait yeah yeah, i mean you know it's you know I'm trying to think of who really made us wait. I, they've had a lot of really good guys in this clubhouse. I mean, you think about just some of the toughest moments. Mm-hmm. You know, Kimbrell sat right there at his locker. He was waiting for us in that 2011 season, if you remember, you know, when the Phillies 
uh, got him. Um, you know, look, I mean, I, that, I've had some long waits for some treatment. Like when players are undergoing treatment, you know, if you feel like that's the story of the day, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Josh Donaldson hit a big home run earlier this year. I can't remember exactly when it was back in May. He, you know, to stay on the field, you know, throughout the season like he did, he had to undergo some treatment. You have to be willing to do that sometimes is wait him out. Um, you hear stories of guys who duck or duck in the media. Yeah. I can't remember that really happening with us. Uh, obviously, it wasn't fun, but everybody felt like that's your job to get back in front of your locker because yeah. once you get that over with, then you can, you know, it's over. But if not, they may be coming back the next day, so you either yeah. want to procrastinate, and but it's not like they're going away. No. And um, so we were just always taught that, hey, that's just part of your job. But I know that guys still – and I've heard this more other organizations, not necessarily ours, but where guys try to duck it and they stay and they, you know, sneak out or or starting pitcher comes out of the game and he blows it, and then and then all of a sudden he leaves the game early because yeah. he didn't want to talk to anybody or as soon as the game over he's in his car. Yeah. And I'm sure. So uh, so with the last game of the season there with with Fulte, was he? Did he talk they to you guys? Up. Yep. Yep. Well, that's, that's a lot of credit yeah. to him because no, no. that's definitely probably one of the most difficult circumstances yeah. that I could imagine as a pitcher. So you think about that. He he had to sit there. Yeah. And know that he was going to have to do that for three plus hours. Right. There's well, good for him. There's absolutely no fun in that in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And it's not fun to sit there and just have to. To talk know, about talk about it. Well, what know. happened? Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, nobody got out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> that's that's always that's kind of funny, you know. Yeah. For you go back to tell us what I remember one time through your mind. <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell this story, but it, it, you, you brought up the what happened one night um, back in spring training. Mike Hampton was. Uh, it's 2003, 2004, somewhere in that area. And I'm, I'd driven back from Clearwater. Dayton was playing in the Atlantic 10 tournament that night at semifinals. This is before everything streamed on a computer. I go to a, the bar and I sit there. I'm eating dinner there at the Ale House. Um, and all of a sudden, as I'm getting done, the Dayton game's over. Mike slaps me on the back of the head. And, <laughs> and you do one shot with him and, you know, you. You have another beer. You start to talk. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, let's just say that you know it was a, it was a little bit longer night than I expected. <laughs> well, the next day, I'm walking into Disney there at the ballpark, and I see Mike walking in. I was like, Oh my, he's got a pitch today. I forgot about that. I didn't even think about that last night. He's facing the Yankees, so, so he uh, he goes out and he probably gave up seven or eight runs in an inning or two, Shocker. and. And you're thinking, I'm going to go downstairs and really ask him, hey, what do you think happened? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. That would have been a good inside joke, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. One thing I was wondering about, I wonder about with all of you guys that, that are journalists and write and cover teams, and, and specifically the breaking news part, is how do you – how do you develop sources? Like, how do you get how do you get somebody to trust you to be able to trust you with information that they know you're going to put out there? And I mean, I know that people are giving information. I assume that most of the most of the time, there's some they're getting something out of giving you that information. That information going out there, but still, you have to I would think develop a trust and a relationship with these people for them to trust you to, with that information. Yeah. How do you, how do you develop those relationships? Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I guess some of that comes from 
Well, first of all, I mean, it just takes, it's just like any salesman, I think, you know, just de developing that that clientele list. Well, now, whether that was a former salesman that has introduced you to, to people that have introduced you to others, um, however it be, but I mean, first of all, you know, you, you want to get gather that trust in the clubhouse, you know, with the coaches, with the front office, agents, agents are big too. I mean, there's always, there's, there's always two sides, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what, maybe an agent's not happy about something that's happening to his client that to where he's going to give you this information about, you know, something else that's going on or, you know, or just simply he's going to give you the information about his client. It doesn't have to be somebody's happy and unhappy. Um, just, I think it's just over the years, it, you know, you, you kind of, um, don't burn them. You know what I mean? There was, you know, maybe some information about some recent news that I might have known a day or two ahead of time. It wasn't absolutely confirmed, all the information, but at the same time, don't just leak out a little bit of information just to say, hey, I, this is coming and create drama because, you know, allow that person to give you all the information once it is finalized. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's the best way for me to describe it is, is it's not much different than a salesman when when you're trying to develop the, the clients, um, you know, where you you want them to know that that you're the person they can turn to um, if they have some information to, to provide you, or at the same time they can trust you if they that they have the news that you're going to. I don't want to say just provide the news exactly the way they want it but at the same time you're going to provide the deliver the story in a responsible manner. yeah yeah present it the right way mm -hmm. <clears throat> sure. or a fair way i should say fair yeah way. Right. yeah so you've been so your first year is 01 with with dot com so we're coming up on well, year 20 i guess yeah. um what has been the biggest change in the industry for you not baseball necessarily, but the, but your job specifically is baseball journalism. What's been the biggest change since? Is it social media? Is it something else? Or probably social media. That that has to be it. You know, I mean, I've had to. They give jobs to jerks like me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We used to, you used to have to just watch you, you know, send videos from some farm in Virginia. Now, now we actually have to talk to you and see you. That's true. Jeez. That's, there's the, no lies that he, did, he delivered that story in a responsible manner. That, that's completely factual what he just said. I, uh, yeah, I mean, social media probably. Um, I mean, it's business has come a long way. I mean, I've had to teach O'Brien a lot of things. There was when Wi-Fi started, he was he was afraid that Wi-Fi meant that everything he ever had was going to be stolen by the world. Automatically. Yeah, connected. yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll stick with dial-up. <laughs> I'm not. And then he said, I'm never going to do Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, it, no, I mean, seriously, I think social media has changed it a lot because it's – you know, you've you've had the 24-hour news cycle, I guess, in some ways, ever since the internet started. But at the same time, this just speeds everything up to where, you know, all of a sudden something happens and one person tweets it. You know, let's just go with th this morning's news, uh, with with David Ross getting the the Cubs job, the managerial job. You know, you wake up, you you look and 
you're looking at Twitter in the morning and then all of a sudden David Kaplan has it there in Chicago and boom, mm. boom, 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 source. Yeah. Now a hundred different people have it, but at the same time, <clears throat> you know, you just, you, you have to be ready to react, mm. you know, at, at any moment's notice right now. I think if, 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 even if you started, if you started in this business before the internet, which I did not, um, you know, I, there was, there was a time where you said, okay, I'm going to have to have a story in by this time or that time. And, and the deadlines were, you know, strict, much stricter. If you didn't have the story, you know, at midnight or whatever that night, you're going to have to live with that, that your competition had it. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I think rumors probably fly a lot more. Yeah, I was going to say misinformation yeah. is a lot bigger because anybody can start a firestorm with anything just by tweeting it out and mm-hmm. people yeah. retweet it. And yeah. that's got to be a big a big thing now, trying to get to the real truth of what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it. I think that's the one thing that, you know, we, we get back to what, you know, you get your information from front office folks and agents too. Everyone has an agenda. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes, the, you know, especially here during the hot stove season, you got to weigh, you know, how much you believe something, how much, you you know, how much validity there is in, in what something somebody is saying. But at the same time, your competition might just go ahead and not not have the same belief you do. They, they put it out there. That's t- kind of taken as – you know, and, and that's understandable. Everyone's going to say, well, that's what he said. That that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, it, and that's fine. That's fine. I mean, it's, I'm not saying there's just an absolute overabundance of misinformation out there, but there is misinformation. Well, it, it makes there. for good entertainment. It does. It does. <laughs> it keeps everybody. Um, just like the Mets GM. Now he d- is in his head. He's fighting back and forth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I, you know, yeah, that's the other thing. It feels like social media has brought us the, the mystery, you know, <laughs> yeah. mystery team. And now we got the mystery hey, managerial candidate. Could be Bobby Valentine coming back. <laughs> <laughs> My Jay, old boss. Jay, Jay Horowitz and Bobby Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> Omar's bringing him back. He's the mystery man with the mustache. He's Bobby's alter ego. <laughs> I think Chipper would like to have Bobby back in that match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably would. That's right. <laughs> what uh, for aspiring sports journalists? And I'm sure I would feel like a lot of them, especially kids coming out of school. And you're like talking Gabe. like Gabe. Yeah, I think it's Gabe. It's Gabe Burns with AJC. He's still in school, isn't he? I think he is. <laughs> yeah, he gets to. Yeah. He's applying to colleges now. I'm not, I'm not going to tell him that we that we made jokes about him, and this way I'll find out if he actually listens to Behind the Brace because he's told me that he does, but I don't know if he does. Yeah, so right, now we'll who, find out. Who's Gabe? Uh, he's right. He covers uh, the Brace for the AJC now. He took oh, okay. Dave's spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He's he's a he's a young. I didn't know the AJC good was writer. still in business. <laughs> oh, oh, hey. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out if the AJC listens to right. podcast. That's right. Too. Okay. That's Greg McMichael at Braves.com. That you can uh, contact about that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Where was I started with all this? Oh yeah, for aspiring sports young sports journalists like Gabe. Um, uh, I was just going to ask, what what is your, your advice that you would give to them? And also, I, I, it's interesting. And nobody's path to to working in sports, or in this, in our case, working in baseball, is the same. I mean, we 
I mean, we're joking about me making stupid videos in Virginia on, on my family's farm, but that's literally is what started me and getting that started my path to get here. Uh, your path was was sports editor, college newspaper, and then going and working corporate partnerships and in a, in a, a as a trainee. Right. Or an intern. Well, right. Yeah. I got a full time job eventually. But yeah. Right. Yeah, but yeah, your first yeah, year was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we just and by the way, shameless plug, we just put out uh, we're looking for next year's 2020 trainees for the Braves. So, you know what? You want to be the next Mark Bowman. This could be your <laughs> chance. You, you never know. So go to uh, go to Braves dot com. Check all that out. But uh, what is your when when young guys are young, excuse me, young reporters or aspiring reporters come to you for advice? What do you tell them? Well, I mean, you know, I guess you. If you really want to be a baseball writer, here's what I would say about baseball. I think baseball is different than, than maybe even other sports journalists because Greg touched on this earlier. The amount of time, it, it is so much greater. I mean, there's a game every day. Um, you know, you go and cover football or something like that. You know, it's and the other thing is the ac- access in baseball is is every day. You know, if you cover the Falcons, you might talk to Matt and Ryan twice a week. Maybe not even that much. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it, it, there's a chance I, I talk to Freddie Freeman every day. You know what I mean? It, it not not saying it absolutely happens, but there's a possibility that for two weeks straight I talk to Freddie Freeman every day. It, it's it's access, access is completely different. I, I, I think if you're going to do this job right, <clears throat> you have to be willing to <clears throat> commit yourself, know that you're going to be at the ballpark from about two – Two o'clock, two thirty, till a little, ap- little after midnight, mm-hmm. um, and when you wake up in the morning, you know I'm not saying you, you can't go out and just do some things here and there, but before you come to the park, I think you need to have at least an hour's worth of preparation. Um, you know, it's it's a <clears throat> In, in in saying that, think about that. Now, now I'm I'm saying there's about 13 hours of a day where you have to be kind of committed to that job. You better you better love baseball. Yeah. Hey, you know if you're going to, if you want to be a baseball writer, you better love the sport. And and hey, look, it's fine. If if you rather go cover football or golf or anything else, that there may be it may be better spot for you or. If you don't want to be the beat writer, if you want to go do more of a featurey type writer, you don't have to devote as much time. And there, there's a spot for everybody. But I guess the key is, you know, for anyone, just like anything else, do as much, do as much as you can. Now, at a young age, writing, figuring out your own style, read as much as you can. Um, kind of, kind of develop, get a feel for what you would like to your voice to be uh or develop your voice uh you know using social media there's some some avenues that kids have you know via blogs and all that kind of stuff now that you know we we might not have had you you always thought hey, what would it be like to to write for this or write that for that i mean everyone can mm-hmm. develop their own blog now right and it doesn't mean everyone has to read it but at the same time if you're writing a blog and you know, developing your own style and your own voice and research uh, methods, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, with baseball savant and baseball reference and fan graphs and whatever else, there there is a wealth of information out there that the kids can develop a a strong understanding of. You know, the research methods at a, at a very young age right now. So, you know, if if that's what you want to do. 
go ahead and develop it, you know, practice it, and, and then realize that if you if you truly do enjoy it, then, then go and pursue it because it is – I'm glad that I've had this opportunity. I count myself very fortunate. It's – it's we've said it, and I can't even remember how many times I've said it now and who all we've said it with, but – it uh that phrase that Bo used you better love it that's always my if anybody asks me about working in sports or baseball or working in baseball specifically that's always my line is number one you better love it forget mm-hmm. your talent anything else you need all this other stuff you need the work ethic you need you need some talent all that kind of stuff and you need to treat people the right way but number one if you want to work in baseball you had you better love it because it's it's i mean for me it's it's six seven months where they're where, when all your friends are at the beach for the weekend or whatever, you know, you might be sitting there mm-hmm. covering the game that's going on in San Diego and it's in the 12th inning at one thirty in the morning on the East Coast. And you better love, you better still right. love it then. You know, well, Kelsey touched on that too, yeah. just when we had Kelsey Wingard on and talking about she missed all kinds of things because her job is, I mean, very, very similar. I mean, she's on the broadcast side, but she's here prepping. She's here all through the game. She's here after the game. And, and uh, for seven months, there ain't nothing else going on. Yeah. And you're you're missing summer, summer, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. you better you better enjoy that too. So yeah, and, you know, and I felt that way as a player. I mean, I didn't even go to my own brother's wedding, yeah, just because I was playing, you know. And you missed, uh, I missed my sister-in-law's wedding, and you mm-hmm. know, so it's just that's just part of it. Being being a having a job and a career that you're just gone a lot yeah yeah but i mean at the same time you kind of look at what you did it you know you had to you had to fight for what you know to get where you did and then at the same time yeah i mean it would have been nice to be at those events but it was everything else was pretty pretty rewarding yeah and and, you know you i think you had to if you didn't love what you the game and you didn't love what you did that would it'd be a little tougher to to miss that kind of stuff yeah and i certainly don't mean to to poo-poo anybody's chances out there because even with missing not going to the beach on the weekend stuff believe me i wouldn't trade my my position and opportunities i've had for uh for anything and i definitely wouldn't i don't know if i I don't know if people who are i don't think i'm a person who's cut out for nine to five in an office somewhere i think that's i think that's part of what led me here i think you got to have a different mindset a little bit you know you got to be willing to seven days a week breathe at 24 7 and and be okay with that yeah so I think I think we'll see a 16 C beat a one C before we ever see you comfortable in a, in a nine to five job we w- again, and we won't see West Virginia win a national championship before it happens either. Um, <laughs> there it is. I knew I knew he was going to get one. There it is. I knew he was going to get one. All right, but we would be remiss if we didn't at least talk a little bit about um, the the Atlanta Braves as they stand currently, and your thoughts on that. Greg and I, our last episode of Behind the Braves, we we recapped the, the the ending of the season and our thoughts on it and all of that. So, I guess if you could just a quick summary of what you think of you thought of the 2019 season as a whole. Uh, I mean, there were good things. Certainly, the ending was not great. And then also, where do where do the Braves go from here? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we've all had plenty of time to think about. It. Very enjoyable season, a fun team to 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 follow. I, it was we saw a lot of great things. You know, it was a lot of fun uh, seeing how. Josh Donaldson, you know, how, how he – I don't I want to say he revived his career, but whatever. I mean, he he, he took a gamble on him, a one-year deal, and it was basically what he had to take and, and, and succeeded. It was a lot of fun seeing him and Ronald Acuna and 
Freddie Freem- Freeman do what they did. It's a shame. It's a shame how it ended. It really is mm-hmm. because it was such a special season. One of my favorite teams I've, I've been around. I love the 2010 team. I, you know, I think I've said that and written that many times. It was a special year with being Bobby's. But this, this team was was right there. It was a lot of fun seeing what Mac, see Max Freed grow and Mike Soroka do what he did. And, and you know, I mean, Luke Jackson had a tough year. But at the same time, gee, many Christmas, I, I give that guy all the credit in the world. I know I was just tough on him, you know, and some stuff that I wrote. I mean, straight from opening day, I said, this guy did, only has a roster spot because he's out of options. But gee, many Christmas, he accepted a role that he wasn't necessarily ready for. And – that division championship wouldn't have been there without him. Right. You know, what he did when, when they lost two closers right off the bat. And, um, you know, there were so many great stories. Just even what Adam Duvall, just think about the perseverance. <laughs> he, there was a lot to love about this team. And I understand it. They, this, yeah, it was very disappointing. They, they were better than the Cardinals. You know, if Mike Soroka had made two starts, if Freddie Freeman had hit a little bit more. You know what? Mike Soroka could have made one start, and Freddie Freeman could have hit the same way he did. And still, the way game four unfolded, that basically, you know, put them in that position where it was roll the dice in game five, and, and we all know what happened there. It, it, it's an unfortunate end, but the 2000. 15 Astros made the playoffs. I know they're a wild card team. They did not make the playoffs in 2016. I, if we look at that, the schedule of the rebuild, you know, where the Braves were, they won that 2018 division championship a year earlier than anybody could have ever expected. This year, you know, yeah, they, they, were, they were good enough to get to the NLCS. It didn't happen. I think as long as Freddie Freeman's elbow is is not a problem next year, which we you know no no indication that it will be, uh, and they can you know they don't they don't absolutely have to bring Donaldson back, but that would be great. I think this team has a chance to extend this run, and once they win that third year in a row, we're looking at a team that Soroka's going to be a year older and Freed's going to be a year older, and all of a sudden Ian Anderson or Kyle Wright. This is going to be a team. You've got Ozzie Albies and Swanson and Acuna. This is going to be a team that's looked at like this Astros team. You know, I'm not saying you're going to have a, necessarily have Garrett Cole and Verlander and Grinky, but you might be mm-hmm. something similar and much younger. Right. If you know, if if some of the the pitching comes, this this has a chance to be a special team for for many years to come. It, it's all right to be upset about the way it ended, but at the same time. This has been this has progressed as, as well as anyone could have ever envisioned since the start of 2015. Now That's you true. spent a lot of time with Alex, just listening to him talk, and um, he does a good job of verbalizing his position or what his position isn't. Uh, do you get any indication from him that um, that uh, he's doing he's he's going the same direction i mean because you know he got he, he caught a lot of flack last year because he didn't address the bullpen you know he signed donaldson but we weren't looking that we needed a third baseman right because because yeah. um uh johan did a great job at third base so i i wasn't thinking that we needed a third baseman i was thinking we need a bullpen and we need a starter you know uh that kind of thing so you know he didn't do anything he took a lot of heat and then we started off poorly and we're like going, okay, well, we didn't address our, our problems. 
and you know you have um you know you have uh Kimbrell sitting out there and we knew that Dallas was out there and those are guys that, that they they solve some of our issues so what's the problem what are we waiting on you know and he was like you know be patient be patient we don't want to blow the money now that we might need later and and so you know he's gained more trust from from my perspective you know because he's pulled he's making the right moves he could be gm of the year i mean there's no reason why he couldn't be Mm -hmm. um so do you see that he just he's moving methodically do you see that from him? That he, that's kind of been his mantra. That he's learned from his mistakes. He's moving forward. And and um, should we? I mean, should we just expect more of the same from him? You know, I I think here's a guy who is very. He sees the big picture as well as anybody I've been around. Now, I, you know, I was obviously I had, I was I had the fortune of being around John Sherrill, so I'm not going to take away from you know everything I saw from him or anything, but I wasn't there for John Sherrill to 1991-92 where he was had to look at it that way like Alex is here at the beginning of, of something. Um, I, I would say Alex sees the big picture as well as anybody. I, I You know, in hindsight, yeah, it was nice to be able to get Dallas Keuchel. I, I think, you know, we all can go back and say, how would you like to have done something better? Maybe signing Charlie Morton last winter would have been – better and then you wouldn't have had to go get Keiko nor this winter you also still wouldn't be looking for something um I, I think that I think he may be a little bit more aggressive this winter I, I do think that that you know whether that's going out and getting a a, a frontline starter whether that's Madison Bumgarner or you know I don't want to say taking a chance on Zach Wheeler Zach Wheeler has had some the, the talent is there. Mm-hmm. We all know it. You know, could could, could you see uh, see some more consistent success down here? Possibly. Now, do you think um, aggressive because you think we're closer to being the team? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so. And, and the other thing is this: you can't hold on to all these young assets for so long. I mean, first of all, from a forty-man perspective, you know, you're getting you're getting to that point where you're going to be adding Pache and Anderson and Waters and and other guys you need to protect at the same time eventually you've got Kyle Wright and you've got Anderson and and you've got Bryce Wilson and you've got Tukey Toussaint and already you've already seen Tukey's value diminish significantly just over nine months the past nine months or whatever that that happens that's what happens to young pitching and that's why you have to evaluate when it's best to to move them. To, to move them. And I think that that there's enough major league ready talent there that, that they would could use some of that. Uh, I think, you know, the most comfortable trade is when you're trading from a position of depth. And obviously the depth in the system I still think still remains there in the starting pitching department. That, with that being said, teams are going to, when they call, they're going to be calling about Pache and Waters as well. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but I, I do think because this team is, you know, is another year uh, older, he's had time to evaluate it for another year. Um, this team's proven that they, they're more than capable of winning this division for many years to come. Yeah, I, I think this is a little bit different year. That uh, that doesn't mean that he's going to go out and pay top do- dollar for Garrett Cole or 
Steven Strasburg, but at the same time, once some of these big dominoes start to fall, I think that the Braves could be in play for some. Well, he seriously got our hopes up last year when he signed Donaldson right off the bat. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. He's going to keep going in this. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> right. Well, but like you said, uh, yeah, he said just be patient. We're oh, gonna yeah. Keep that money, and he did. And it's just like you yeah. said, I think he's uh, – and I hope – I mean, we'll see. I hope that that's kind of the perspective that a lot of fans have taken to that, that were upset. And I understood their frustration and anger when the season started, and it started as bad as it did, and they didn't feel like the front office had done enough. I think Alex understood it too. I sure. mean, he, he knew it was out there. Yeah, I mean, we uh, had him on. He he, he knew – yeah, he was he was not shy about it, uh, but he, he stuck to his guns and um, – I'm anxious to see what he does this offseason. So. Uh, he's got just made decisions to make, that's yeah. for sure. Think about this. He was ready to sign both Kimbrell and Keiko. I mean, it, it, the, the commitment was there. I mean, I, you've got to give him credit for that. But sometimes, you know, we're always thankful that some things that don't happen are the best things because if you go and sign Kimbrell and he does what he did for the Cubs, mm-hmm. you didn't have the money available to go diversify into three relievers like he ended up doing. Right. Yeah, and they definitely pitched better than what Kimbrell ended exactly. up doing. Yeah, exactly. There you so, go. Yeah, I don't know who the other starters were, but um, there was nobody out there like Keuchel. Um, right? You know, well, I mean – At the time. Well, I know he went on, but – At that point in time, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I think if I went back in the offseason last year, it, Charlie Morton would have been the guy I would have gone to get, and then – Sonny Gray, I understand why there was some apprehension mm-hmm. there. Um, but at the same time, he ended up having a pretty good year there in Cincinnati, too. They've, um, hey, look, it, it happens every year. I mean, that's, that's why that's why Alex get paid, gets paid the big bucks. He's, well, and they end up moving Bauer, too, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he ended up getting hurt with Cincinnati, or did he end up pitching pretty yeah, good? He, I mean, he, he made his he starts. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he – he was he, he was nothing little, more than mediocre, after, you know, with Cincinnati. <laughs> when he turned around through that ball out center field, and when he turned around and he looked at his coach, and coach looked at him like, "What in the world are you doing?" Hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to. Like, I never seen that. that was that was classic. You, you, you show up to the ballpark every day. You never know what you're going to see. You know, you All of us have you, wanted to do that, right. but just <laughs> guts to turn around and fire it. Wow. Yeah. The most I ever wanted to do is like after the shortstop makes an error and the coach comes to take you out, I wanted to say, why are you taking me out? I didn't make the error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, Bo, thank you so much for joining us. And whatever moves the, the Alex in the front office makes, uh, I know you'll be reporting about it at Braves.com. And uh, if you don't already follow Bo, you probably do. But at MLB Bowman on Twitter and anything else we should plug, Bo? No, no, I'm not sure when UMBC starts. Go Hoos. Sure. Go Hoos is what we should, we, we should plug. So. Well, we won't talk about Tennessee and West Virginia being in the bottom. Yeah. The yeah. bottom top I'm, 10. I'm, I'm fine talking about it. At least the West Virginia part. Yeah. <laughs> fine with me. No. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, Bo. We really appreciate it. All right. No problem. Thank you. All right. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.